0: I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but it is August the 10th and Labor Day is nearing. And that means, of course, fairly soon, uh, kids will be back at school and a lot of us, or in case, perhaps in this case, a lot of you, uh, will be back in the office and everyone else will be there, perhaps, or maybe not. Maybe you're still working remotely. Maybe there is a hybrid situation going on where you are. Um, We've talked a lot about remote work, the pros and the cons that exist for both, uh, you know this for both and the struggle to find an effective balance that keeps employers and employees happy. Last week, we talked about some new hiring data that showed more and more employers are willing to be flexible with remote work simply out of necessity, the need to hire and the need to retain existing staff. Still, there is a move out there, and we knew that it would happen once uh, things started to get back to normal to some extent, that there would be a move from certain companies who felt the need to have everyone come back to the office. We're seeing it in different places, uh, does probably in your community somewhere. There are stories out there of companies being a little more um, insistent than others about making sure that all their employees are back in the office. They often cite things like teamwork and productivity, but what if employees deserve more of an explanation than that? What if they should expect more of an explanation like that? Well, they are on the right track, says my next guest. Joining me now is Elaine Chin. She's founder of Executive Health Center and author of Welcome Back, How to Reboot Your Physical and Mental Wellbeing for a Post-Pandemic World. Thanks for your time tonight.
1: Oh, wonderful to meet you. Thank you.
0: It's a really fascinating time, I think, to be talking about the idea of remote work and so on because it feels like I get the sense and I could be wrong you know this better than I do it feels like we're at a fork in the road now and some companies have decided you know what it's never going to be this way it was back in tw- early 2020 ever again and we're going to adapt and others are still working hard to try to turn back the clock
1: well I think that the fork in the road <laughs> some people have gone and in other words the train has left the building so yep. somebody is catching up where that train go where'd it go yeah. It's going that way? Yes, it's going that way, and it's not coming back.
0: What I meant, I think, is that there are still companies out there who are trying to bring people back, who are hoping that somehow this idea of flexibility and remote work and so on isn't permanent.
1: Well, that's the reason why it triggered me to write the op-ed, because I really uh, was so disappointed um, to be speaking to a new CEO of a new company that he was taking over and it was going to be with his 200 senior members of a large company. And the fundamental message that I wanted to give was, um, yes, the company's got hybrid, but um, take your time to learn to readjust, make time to take care of your health because it's been um, tough over the last two years um and it's like no just uh the message is yeah we're great we have hybrid workplace and eventually we'll all get back to work because once we all get back to work everything will be fine and everything will be back to normal." and i had to say i just i respectfully disagree with you and that was the end of my gig and my job but i left with good conscience that i wasn't going to Uh, put out a false narrative around recovery from the pandemic, rational reasons to return to work uh, based on the job need and what we're going to do when we get back to work and why we're in the workplace. So it needs to be thought out.
0: Yeah, I mean, one of the things, if we go back in time a bit, I think one of the things that was interesting, and I know that you had some experience with remote work long before the pandemic, but that the transition to remote work was bumpy at times, but all told was relatively successful for a lot of people.
1: It was. I think if you look at the data objectively, here's the the two pieces that a lot of people thought uh, might not come out, which was productivity, which was a huge one. And people got their work done and to some degree worked harder. And the other one was in that everyone suffered um, as a result of working from home and not at work. Um, this was not always true for everybody because there was less commute, because there was less travel, business travel. Um, and there was efficiencies built in and also the ability to spend more time with family changed the dynamics of work life balance forever. And it was not all bad.
0: So those who are now looking at what the future could look like, and you get the impression that there are a lot of organizations out there for a number of reasons, retention and recruitment being one of them, have decided that we're going to take what was best about that experience, try and combine it with what was best with the previous experience and see if we can't make that work. But it's harder to do than it is to talk about. Is it not?
1: It is because the first thing you need to do is change the design of your workplace. So it's not like, all right, we're going to come back Wednesdays, and um, we're going to all work together. Um, they, they work together. What are we working together about? And if you and I recall, there's different types of work together, and workshops are great, right? And we used to do events where we had all the stickies on the wall and uh, brainstorm. You cannot do that on Zoom. You, can't, you can, in theory, stick stickies on Zoom, but you can't um and then the other half is um to have a schedule a calendar of what the thoughtfulness is around why people are coming back to the office and I equate that to um teachers having a plan for the day for their students right we know that every day they come to school now if you got kids to come back to school and sit in their desks Every day, it gave them a laptop and say, "Here are your assignments of the day. Here's what you need to read, and these are the things, These are the tests you need to do." And walk out of the office, uh, walk out of the classroom. That is not a rich education. So what I'm saying is, we need to have a rich office experience inside businesses now.
0: But that in many ways, and you know this is <laughs> better than I do, uh, a lot of times people in the C-suite, you know, bosses in general, never thought that that was their, that they had to make work, you know, that they had to convince their employees to show up at the office. You know, that, that this is a mindset perhaps that's been even more difficult for people at the top than it has been for people doing for the rest of people doing the work in many ways.
1: Yeah, so I go back to telling my clientele who are mainly C-Streets and executives, look at their data. Have you actually done better or worse as a result of this work-at-home model? Which teams thrived, which teams did not? And I take this comment uh, into our op-ed piece on Saturday in the Globe, which is doctors, and I've been 30 years plus practicing, has said, you must come to the office. Um, Having patients on on a video conference means that you're up north in the middle of nowhere and you're stuck. And so the default is to do video conferencing. But now that we were caused to do it overnight, doctors are happier, patients are happy. The data is showing it. So I say that if doctors... And patients can do it, so can C-suite and employees.
0: Our guest this half hour is Elaine Chin. She's founder of the Executive Health Centre and author of Welcome Back, How to Reboot Your Physical and Mental Well-Being for a Post-Pandemic World. We're talking about an op-ed she's written for The Globe and Mail, uh, really about remote work and, and the idea that people don't necessarily, maybe employees who don't want to go back to work or the office full-time uh, are correct that there has to be a balance now that we've seen a different way of working and it has to be incorporated into the way we think about work more broadly. When we come back, we'll talk a bit more just about the consequences for those that adapt and those that don't, uh, because within a very tight labor market, those consequences, at least for now, might be dramatic. We'll be back with that. Our guest is Elaine Chin. She's founder of the Executive Health Network and author of "Welcome Back: How to Reboot Your Physical and Mental Well Being for a Post-Pandemic World." Uh, we've been talking about uh, remote work and just uh, adapting uh, to a new reality for a lot of employees. And you've talked talked about this in the op-ed that a lot of employees have concerns about going back to the office, and they are legitimate concerns. If you read them, and one of them, one of them is, as you've mentioned, health, and the other is just why. You know, I need I need a good reason. Tell me why. Yeah.
1: So let's start with. The actual concerns, those are the negatives. Um, The reality is that with the advent of use of vaccines and the one that's coming in the fall would probably take us comfortably and safely by and large through the winter that most people will get through the Omnicom variants to follow without having a existential health outcome that is negative. So what's worrying people is, what happens if I do go back? What happens if I'm the one that's going to bring the the bug to somebody, my best friend, who has an elderly person or a frail person at home, and maybe the two of us are silent carriers? Or the fact that getting back on the subway or the train um, brings back the fears of those days when you had to for whatever reason, And that, to me, is all post-traumatic stress disorder. So whether it's real in terms of the physiological, physical risk factors around COVID, there's some psychological trauma that we have to overcome. And we need to address that front and center before people get back to work full-time if that is their problem, getting to work. Um, And then on the other side of things is um, having sleep uh, regularity having meal regularity, being able to not commute and therefore exercise better, seeing your family, your kids, uh, even playing with your pets and walking them. These are all positive things, um, aside from all the other extraneous things that I might have to deal with, the the cost of travel the, and, and the extra cost to having uh, lunch or extra coffee breaks. So those are extraneous, but I think those are the two ends of the pillar, the, the risk factors versus the good health outcomes.
0: So if we know that employees in general are fairly open to some sort of hybrid work environment where whereby they can do a bit of both, presumably, what do you think the stumbling block is then in the C-suite? What do you think the stumbling block is for those who still are trying to order their employees back to work or, uh, or thinking that this just can't go on?
1: Mm -hmm. So before the break, you talked about um a retention issue and the newer workers um are younger. Um and I think Ben and I can say that we're we're the quote unquote parent generation. And um our young adult kids are now in the workforce and they're saying, I can manage my own my own life, just like when we gave them a cell phone and they're on it, and they say, I can manage my social media. Okay, I'm gonna turn it off when I need to. And by and large, they're right. Um, So when you are in the C-suite, I think you need to listen to young people. They are all not wrong, uh, just like our kids are all not wrong. And once you make a decision that hybrid, at minimum, is the new gold standard, then you can make plans to how you integrate your teams back in. And when you do. It's about developing social connections. And the social connections are what they call social currency, social capital. Uh, We know that uh, companies that have strong connections with their employees generally have more loyal employees, generally are more content, are more productive, and they enjoy their work, and they're less likely to leave your organization for another one who seems to be more empathetic and is listening and is willing to make those changes to accommodate their work-life balance.
0: I was interested. We did an interview last week with someone from Robert Half. They've just done their managers or hiring survey for the last quarter. And they found that a increasing number of companies are willing to offer some sort of remote or hybrid work uh, environment to the employees simply out of necessity. It was a recruitment, retainment, uh, recruit and retain strategy. Uh, it wasn't about wanting it or needing it or thinking it was great. It was because if we don't do this. Uh, we're going to suffer. We're not going to have the employees we want or need.
1: Yeah, the data is just showing that it is the new reality and companies can function this way. Um, there is C-suite who say uh, advancement, aka getting promoted, is, is something that is uh, important for people to go back to the workplace outside of their mind. And I will give this to the C-suite because what they're saying is, I don't know you and I don't see how you function with other people. I'm not prepared to have you lead the company as the next generation of leaders. So I would caution um, the team members of any organization who want to um, be promoted, who want to go to the next level. You need to meet um, your bosses where they are as well. And they are in the office because they choose to be, because they want to be. So it's like, Meeting your moms and dads every so often during a vacation and eating with us at the dinner table is very important for your mental and financial well-being.
0: Yeah, it is. I mean, I I think, Elaine, you've touched on something really interesting. We are entering yet another different phase of what this remote hybrid work experience was. I mean, there was the the full-on pandemic phase, the lockdown phase, so to speak, where we were all getting used to it. And now we've sort of entered the normal phase of it. And it's going to be interesting to see how employees, bosses, companies, everyone adapts because I get the feeling there's going to be a lot of different solutions out there.
1: And I I, close with saying in this article is that personalized medicine is the world I live in. So one size does not fit all. You might need twice the number of calories as I do. You might need more vitamin D than I do. You might need half the drug dose than I do because you have a genetic difference in how you metabolize. So each company and team has a different DNA. So we have to personalize the work experience for each team not to mention each team member, to make that whole full organization thrive.
0: Elaine Chin, thank you so much for your time and your insight tonight.
1: Thank you, Ben, for inviting me to your show.